Well met, fellow adventurers. We are back with Sir Crokington, and we are in the city of Pakuru, which I believe that Sir Crokington has never visited before. Or if she has, it's been very, very brief and not recorded. So, for the, fir for the first time, only, probably only time, I will read the description of the front page of the city. Pakwa, the northernmost city in Tysa, is also the kingdom's oldest. The thriving, heavily fortified seaport was long ago built over the ruins of an ancient city, of which only very little is known. The seaward face of Pagwar, which includes its Grand Harbour, is partially shielded from the legendary wrath of the Sundran Sea by a long series of massive stone columns nearly a mile from the coast and rise up from the ocean floor and stretch high into the sky. So that's why it's such a big port, because it's been turned into the best harbour possibly on the entire continent. So, if, say, you have any imports to, well, any, anywhere that can reasonably be reached by a house, you're probably going to drop it off here. Even if only so it can go on other ships down the Sand Spit, or on rivers, or from carriages, or various other methods. Good harbour is hard to find. The mysterious columns predate the founding of Pakwa, perhaps even that of the ancient city, ruins of which lie somewhere beneath the seaport. Well, those are two things that we will explore, those columns and the ancient city under the city. Spoilers, I guess. So, there's a harbour. The broad, deep cove that serves as Pacwell's Grand Harbour is nearly a mile in from the open sea. Uh, at its mouth, 17 towering, towering columns of stone rise up from the seabed and soar into the sky, each reaching an almost impossible height over 600 feet. Looking north on the grey side, across the churning columns of the cove, towards the raging sundron beyond, the arc of columns that spans the mouth of the harbour looked like a broad, fang-filled moor of some giant sea beast. Countless vessels, including several Tysian warships, are anchored here. Well, well yes, the, the navy... Yeah, I'll definitely, definitely build up a city, because navies are very manpower intensive. Because obviously you've got, let's say they have a dozen ships, probably a couple of hundred on each, which so that's, so that, that's a few, few thousand just from the sailors. And then of course there's the logistics back ashore that's probably the same again handling all the logistics there's the supply fleet and then there's building and maintaining these ships yes it's, it's, it's a huge business there's probably a lot of secondary businesses as well Taverns. So many taverns. And of course, once you got the navy here, the merchants would be like, hey, if I go here, I don't have to worry about pirates. But I do have to worry about, I do possibly, I don't know how, you know, whether this exists in Tyson, so I do have to worry about my crews getting impressed. So, swings and roundabouts. 
Okay, I can't do anything in the hall, however, yet visit the Hall of Lords. The Hall of Lords is a grand stone structure overlooking a wide quadrangle in Pakwa's eastern district. The ancient building, which it is easily draws those that flank it, has long served as the pla place from which the city's chancellor and the council of magistrates govern the mighty seaport. The lower level of the hall features a grand gallery that contains nearly 100 statues. The sculptures depict the many prominent personages that have played a role in shaping the history's destiny over the many centuries that passed since the seaport was founded. Investigate the gallery. The statue gallery on the lower level of the Hall of Lords is indeed a sight to behold. Nearly 100 statues, each of them obviously the work of master craftsmen, fills the broad gallery in neat, symmetrical rows. Much to your surprise, no one else is here. A wide path, marked by tiles of polished granite, leads down through the centre of the statues and stops only a few yards short. The south wall, set into the middle of the wall, is a massive engraved slab, massive slab of engraved stone, laid with an intricate design fashioned entirely out of iron. For a moment, as your eyes are wandering the stone slab, you're struck by the sudden notion there's likely more to it than meets the eye. Hmm. Perhaps the path goes beyond it? Well, we'll see, we'll see. And we actually will see. This isn't a vague future update. We, we will see. Alright. Well, okay, we've looked around the Hall of Lords. Visit the Merchant District. Pacro's Merchant District, situated in the southwest. Northwest corner of the city is comprised of two large quadrangles connected by a wide, tree lined thoroughfare. All manner of goods are bought, sold, and traded here. From dawn to dark, the merchant districts remain one of the ancient city's busiest sectors. Ooh, there's an observation linked. Link under the words tree lined. You curiously note that. Many of the trees lying in the broad thoroughfare seem to be afflicted with some sort of blight, leaving them stunted and withered. Pity about that. You can search for weapons, and it's just it, it's just a normal, normal generic weapons. Search for armor, and it's normal generic armor, and not even. Not, not nothing on match, so the chances are by the time you get to pack or there won't be anything here that will be better than what you already have. But it's there. And you can sell things here too. Voices are Pretty decent. Alright, seems to be 65% of the value. Capping out. Maximum amount they can give you is 975. But no, you'll just you'll just go to the to the emporiums. But you never know. Maybe it's the best place in some circumstances. But I'll say I'm not gonna go through the bother. There's a coach marked Tally's, but that just takes you to Tally's trading post. There's a venture here called a lonely stretch of road. That's by VWK. It's open stone inspired. But we'll do that a bit later. For now, let's just explore the city. The fortified seaport of Patwar promises both adventure and peril those willing to explore its ancient streets and now we explore you explore Pacquiao for some time without discovering anything in particular significance uh, okay nothing there suddenly 
while passing through a cluttered market near the gates that open onto the harbour foot, you suddenly realise an elderly man slipping out from behind an abandoned stall to your right is attempting to pick your pocket. He waits until you, his hand is nearly upon your money pouch before you spin to confront the would-be thief. Apparently shocked by your vigilance and clearly bewildered by what he must deem to be an unexpected turn of events. Oh wait, he's actually just going to pick me up bodily? Yes, that, that was it. And then just slowly peel off the many, many bags that I carry. Yes, that was what he was planning on doing. Yes, that it is a disadvantage when you're teeny. Very easy to be stolen. <laughs> Kidnapping, very easy and often accidental. <laughs> the old man promptly flees, dashing wildly across the marketplace heading for the twisting alleys of the city's infamous Northern Quarter. Well, could have chased down the fleet-footed... the fleet-footed pickpocket. You doggedly pursue the old man along the crowded streets and twisting alleys of the seaport, amazed at the speed and self by which he navigates a complex, ever-changing course, picking a number, bonus 67, 17 from agility, no, 17 from thievery, 20 from agility, 10 from body, 20 from mind, pick now. 136, success. And 16 expedia general. The half-watted door of a seedy tavern deep within the ancient network of twisting lanes and narrow alleys that served to epitomise the seaports famous northern quarter you at last lay your hand upon the Osley would-be pickpocket shoulder the frail white-haired man stammers something unintelligible and spins to face you his steady his unsteady bony hand gripping the hilt of a dagger you're about to strike out knock the blade out from under his ga gasp using tongue attack <laughs> When he suddenly sheaves the blade and begs your forgiveness. I meant no harm. I truly didn't. He says, meekly, seeming fearful in your presence. The drink's got hold of me. And I haven't any hope of a toil, Dr. Al. Perhaps I can make amends? Any sense of injustice you felt as the result. The elderly man's attempted theft is swiftly replaced by profound pity. A look of relief washes over the elderly man's slender, wrinkled face as you relax your stance and he thanks you repeatedly. I'll bend them. My, my, my ways it is, he says. But the drink's always had a hold on me. It's worse than ever now, but that's not your trouble. Thank you, friend. Okay, you've, you, you should go to a support group. But not a not AA meetings, cause um, they uh, they're more concerned with Jesus. <laughs> You're about to turn and move away from the tavern and make your way out of this disrespectful part of the city, when the old man suddenly says something that garners your full attention. You're an adventurer. What? quite mistaken, he says, stepping aside to an hour obviously drunken man to stagger out through the tavern door. I reckon you'll take a keen interest in something I learned many years ago. The old man tells you that in his younger years, before his life became solely devoted to pursuit of the drink, he, fan he fancied himself an adventurer. To that end, he long slaughtered away into the ruined city over which Pacquara was built. I can, I can tell you how to get into the lower ruins, he says. The ruins were sealed off centuries ago. A warded door, larger than any I've seen before since. Blocks the passage lead down into the ruins. The door, if you were alive today, recognise it as such, stands at the end of the statue gallery. 
below the Hall of Lords. There's two links that have come up. Wuin City and Pankwur. Wuin City. Oh, oh it's, it's the same thing. They both lead to Pankwur. Okay, Wuin City. The northernmost city in Tyson, the heavily fortified seaport of Pankwur, is given service. And also both over in the ruins of an ancient city, of which little is known. The seaward side of the port city, including harbour, Okay, that you see, we see everything in the second, second paragraph we've seen before. Pacquo is governed jointly by a council of magistrates, headed by a chancellor who serves an eight-year term, and by a council of Taishan military commanders. The Taishan navy maintains a large presence in the fortified port. The Hall of Lords, a grand stone structure in the eastern sector, serves as the seat the city's government. The ruins beneath the city have long been sealed off, and it is not known if anyone living has ever ventured into them. Well, if they haven't, they will soon. Intrigued by the possibility of being able to explore the ancient ruins beneath Pakwar, the astral old man, the magically protected door could be opened. And if this ever been for it, many times he replies, you must know I never delved very far into the ruins. I didn't truly have the stomach for that type of adventure. Dare say I'm the last soul to ever get past the door. Because I launched it again when I left the ruins for the final time. And that was nigh on 40 years ago. Can the door be opened? Yes, though not easily. The elder mere man tells you. The magic that keeps the massive door at the end of the Hall of Lords seals can be temporarily dispelled by the means of a liver, lever hidden in the undersea lair, the base of one of the towering stone columns that rise out of the sea to the north of the city. I can tell you. I can tell you how to find the lair, he says, but no, there is great danger in going there even greater danger in losing, using the lever. Pulling it will temporarily dispel the magic that prevents the great door from being opened and so allow you passage into the wounds below. By the same token, however, will also allow what lies below a passage up and into the city. The wounds do not sleep. A great evil stirs down there. Well, I can tell you, Lysolos, about it. On that last point, I am certain. The old man, neither giving you his name nor asked for yours, tells you the seventh column from the western end of the line has a hidden door in its part that will lead you down through the massive structure into the dark lair beneath the ocean floor. It all sounds quite preposterous, I'm sure, he says. But it's the only way I know to find one's way into the ruins below the city. Scale the column, climb down into the hidden lair, pull the lever, then return to the Hall of Lords and open the door. Mind that you're alone, Hall, of course, before you try opening the door. The task laid out for you by the elderly would be pickpocket becomes a daunting consideration when you recall that the stone columns rising out of the sea north of Pakwar each Kapawa tower approximately one-eighth of a mile above the waging surface of the Sundrum. The old man tells you you can easily find a bow in your hardbar by which to get out to the columns. There's a set of steps to wind up and around the column, he says. Though some of it is crumbled away. And doubtless even more of it since I last made my climb many years ago. You thank the elderly man for the information he's provided. Almost entirely forgetting you tried to pick your pocket. Oh, lots of people try that. I mean, if I held a grudge against everyone who tried to pick my pocket, I'd never get anything done. Also, most of them are dead. He... He bows and thanks you. 
and wishes you luck before returning and slipping into that tannum. That moment your eyes are drawn to the weathered sign hanging over the door. The journey's end. With that, you are one set off to resume your exploration of the city, realising your first step towards finding your way into the wounds below the pack wall involve a city trip to the city's grand hub. Okay, I mean that is that's that's something to do, but make that in a later episode. We're just going to focus on exploring for now, exploring, and that's a nothing. That's a nothing. Nothing. Suddenly, while making your way through the northern part of the city, you suddenly realise a large number of people are pointing, looking up at the sky. Instinctively turn your gaze skyward. Soaring silently northward, high above the seaport, its broad wings and long, muscular form, situated beneath the bright blue sky, is a massive sea dragon. You speak with several fellow onlookers, and who wishes to learn the sea dragon sightings become somewhat common over the last several months. To less than a minute, the large dragon has passed out of sight, far to the north. Intrigued by the sighting, you once again prepare to resume your exploration of the city. There's a link for sea dragons. Let's see what it is. Sea dragons. Extremely rare, very reclusive, and frightfully powerful. The mighty sea dragons have once inhabited a broad swath of the rocky coastline of the North Broadlands, have dwindled in number over the last several centuries. Many believe that only a handful of these mighty, majestic creatures remain. I mean, what could stop dragons? Did they just forget to bone? Sea dragons are one of the larger and more intelligent species of dragon dragondom. They're thick. Green-hued scales are harder than steel, and impervious to all but the most powerfully enchanted magical weapons. Their broad heads, heads bear six long curved horns, angled in a variety of directions, which they actively use to strike and kill large prey from above. Though not outwardly hostile to humans, sea dragons prefer to be left alone will fiercely defend their lairs, usually sea caves. Sea dragons are known to prey upon, the, upon smaller dragons of other species and are adept at attacking and killing large marine creatures like whales and sharks. Sea dragons can remain submerged for up to an hour at a time and will often pursue their prey to great distances and great depths. Like most dragons, sea dragons have a set of powerful wings that they employ as they circle high above the ocean, scouring the waves below for their next meal. In less than a minute, the large truck has passed at the site far to the north. Intrigued by the sighting, you once again prepare to resume your exploration of the city. Explore again, suddenly. In the central sector of the city, just as dusk has begun to set over the seaport, you happen upon a disturbing scene. A group of six Gogari, making no obvious effort to disguise themselves in human form. Well, that's ominous. If they don't have to disguise themselves, then that pretty much implies that there's enough of them that they do no they no longer fear 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 whatever thought whatever could be sent against them and if they could do this in a major military city like Pakuro what could they do to places like Hawklaw? This is this is really bad. I swiftly closing in around the terrified young man. Anger wells up in you as you immediately realise the vicious harm the WAP fiends intend to inflict upon their pleading victim. 
So I can attack or move away. Obviously, I'm going to attack. I mean, this place clearly needs the number of rats which used attack the six Kogari. You step out of the deepening shadows, making your presence known to the band of Kogari. The six vicious rat men, their dark eyes blazing with contempt, turn away from their cowering victim and settle their chilling gazes upon you. Despite their reluctant stance, you immediately sense the Kogari are reluctant to engage you. Then, without warnings, the cutthroat band of Ratman turn and dart off into the deepening shadows along the deserted streets. Their victim, having shaken off the terror that gripped him, thanks you before dashing away in the opposite direction from the band f from the band of fleeing assailants. You spend several minutes lingering about the scene of the attack, lest the Kagari should return. But it soon becomes evident the Ratman have gone off in search of easier prey. As you move off along the dust-draped streets, you can't help but wonder what it is these Kagari are up to in Pakwar, and why they are not in human guise. Explore again. Suddenly, while exploring the eastern section of the city, you discover a small shop filled with all manner of curiosities. A weathered sign hanging above the half-rotted door reads, Timikifs. You've made a special note of this location, Timikiv Shop. You may return to in the future whenever you explore the city of Pak Roar. This is a small, cluttered shop of Timikiv, a trader and merchant who collects and deals in odd, rare and curious sort of items. Timikiv, a stout, middle-aged man whose thick head of hair is already stark white, greets you with a friendly nod. Let's just chat first. Timikov tells you he's always, always on the lookout for strange and rare items. I'll pay handsomely for them, he says. But I don't think I can turn them out again without too much difficulty. Have you got anything I might like to see? Decide to show him some of your items. Timikov, you ask Timikov if you have a look at your items. To see if there's something you might think interesting. He promptly shakes his head. If you've got something you think is worth my while, lay it out and I'll take a peek at it. He says, I haven't time to pick through it all. Well, actually, that makes sense. I mean, I have maybe more than a hundred items. Okay, okay. Can I do anything with this angled copper key? Not quite the sort of thing I'm after, he says. Okay, so... It will be misc items because all the equipment you can sell elsewhere. And also you can... Black Claw. Does anyone want a Black Claw? No? Let's no. see. Well, animal pelts. I was literally told to take them to Timberkiff. So use. Timothyf looks over the four pelts and tells you he will give you four adventure tokens for them. I wouldn't normally offer as much to them, he says. Just happens to have a grand use in mind, sending the pelts for four adventure tokens. Timothyf properly hands you four adventure tokens and takes possession of the pelts. Well, he says, looking over each pelt, these will certainly do quite nicely. Thank you. Now, you think you could just get animal pelts by, you know, wandering the wilderness and hunting them. But you can't because you're an adventurer. You don't know the first thing about hunting. You don't. I mean, if you're to try, you just blunder around going, swing, and scare off all the game. And then all the wheel hunters will go, oh, you again, you've scared off all the game, would you please bugger off? Or something like that. Yeah, that's why you can't get animal pals. And also because that would let you grind ATs and that would be ridiculous. 
And also, it would be really boring to do that, so... Because you'd spend your time being a tradesman rather than a hero. Alright, show him some more items. Yeah, so there's all they take all sorts of strange miscellaneous items. What this bone wand? Nope, not that one. Uh, not the bone one. This charred wooden wand. Nope, not that. Okay, actually, actually, of course, I've done this before, so I do happen to know. But the green coin back. Nope, of course not. That's going to do something eventually. That's the one with the Stones of Destiny in. Yes. Definitely not even thinking of showing the hexahedron of perpetuity. Brown Book. Ancient History of North Broadlands. Maybe later. I think that, that goes to some other person who has a library. Which I don't think I've liberated yet. Okay, um Iragul Pelt. Okay. Same these. Tira flicks over the Iragul Pelt and tells you he'll give you four adventurer tokens for it. How did you come across this? he asked. Well, it hardly matters. It's quite a fine. Sell the pelts for four vendor tokens. Thank you for bringing it to me. I don't often see one of these, he says, carefully folding the hide. Thank you for bringing it to me. And there we are. Four adventure tokens. I think that's everything you can give to him. Seeking stone, of course not. Yeah, there's, there's a quite small list of items that he trades in, but we're going to be finding quite a lot of them pretty sharpish. And also some miscellaneous items that didn't seem to do anything have also had Oh yeah, you can give it to this guy. Add it to them. Okay, I can only think of one. Okay, bid him farewell and leave. That brings my ATs up to 34. Explore some more. Suddenly, while making your way through the eastern part of the city, you suddenly realise a large number of people are pointing and looking up at the sky. Instinctively turn your gaze skyward. Soaring silently northward, high above the seaport, its broad wings and long muscular form silhouetting against the bright blue sky is a massive sea dragon. You speak with several fellow onlookers and are interested to learn that sea dragon sightings have become a somewhat common occurrence over the last several months. After less than a minute, the large dragon has passed out of sight far to the north. Intrigued by your second sighting of the dragon, you once again prepare to resume your exploration of the city. Alright. Keep exploring. Suddenly, oh, while making your way through the northwest part of the city, you suddenly realise a large number of people are pointing and looking up at the sky. Distinctively turn your gaze skyward. Soaring silently northward, high above the seaport, Broad wings and long muscular forms silhouetted against the bright blue sky. It's a massive sea dragon. You speak with several fellow onlookers and are surprised to learn that sea dragon sightings become somewhat common occurrence over the last several months. For less than a minute, the large dragon has passed out of sight, faster than off. Intrigued by your third sighting of the dragon, you once again prepare to resume your exploration of the city. 
suddenly. Just as you're about to set off on your way, a young woman steps through, departing from an onlookers, strides up to you. A scarred leather jerkin, studded gauntlets, and a short blaze sung at the sides, immediately leads you believe she is, like you, an adventurer. Her first words serve to remove any lingering doubt. From one adventure to another, she says, smiling. She hands you a furled sheet of whitish paper. You'll assume the foreign nature of this, but expect this is something that may well interest you. You unfurl the paper and discover it's a long, roughly sketched map. The map seems to depict a long and winding trail, leading down towards the sea through a region of steep, steep cliffs just east of Pakwar. That is where you find the sea dragon, she says. I've half a mind to go there myself to have a look, though. Thought but a little bit since. You don't look to be the sort that's evilly deterred there. Now you know where you can look for a bit of real adventure. The young woman suddenly extends her arm and initiates a shoulder cross. You meet her You meet her in a gesture and she introduces herself as Lyle. You're about to offer your own introduction when Lyle politely holds up her hand. I know who you are, she says, at least. I've heard enough to know what it is you're capable of. Mind you, I wouldn't show that map to just anyone, not considering, well, really must be on my way. Till the next time we meet. You hand, her back, you hand back the map, and again meet Malawa on his shoulder cross. To thanking her, you're about to ask her why she decided to show you the map, which she suddenly departs. Moving off along the crowded lane, the ones into the one of the seaport's main thoroughfares. When she's no longer in sight, you commit the region you noted on the map to memory, for once again preparing to resume your exploration of Pakura. As you set out, you wonder if you'll ever, ever again meet the adventurer known as Liru. To visit the location described on Liru's map, select the travel option from Pakura and look for the sea cliffs under nearby locations. So, new place where you can go, but not in this episode. Maybe a later one. Uh, definitely a later one. Packwar, nothing. Packwar, nothing. Packwar, nothing. Packwar, nothing. Nothing. Keep exploring. It's not nothing. Three nothings. I'm going to pause until something turns up. We've just had a suddenly. In the southwest section of the city, just as dusk has begun to settle over the seaport, you happen upon a disturbing scene. A group of seven Kogari, making no obvious effort to distinguish themselves from the human form, are swiftly closing in around a terrified middle-aged woman. Anger wells up in you you instinctively realise the vicious heart the rat fiends intend to inflict upon their pleading victim. Attack them. You step out behind the deepening shadows, making your presence known to the band of Kogari, the seven vicious rat men, their dark eyes blazing with contempt, turn away from their cowering victim and bound towards you, their cruel weapons poised to cut you down and into teeny tiny pieces. The middle-aged woman, having shaken off the terror that all but frozen her, quickly bolts off along the street. Stealing yourself for what purports to be a brutal confrontation, you step into a battle-ready stance and prepare to engage the first of your snarling attackers. This is a sword-wielding Kagari. Begin combat. Slashes you with a sword and is slain. 5 XP. You step over the bloodied remains of the slain Kogari and hurriedly resume your combat ready stance as you boldly stare down the remaining rat men. Uh, you bravely engage the next of the snarling Kogari, dagger wielding this time. Hmm. Guess they're not going for formation tactics. Alright, 5xp. Another dagger wielding one. Going, keep going. Axe wielding. Good, good. I'm getting a variety of different weapons. 
Right, sword wielding. The next one is another dagger wielding Kagari. Stabs you with his dagger. The last of Kagari steps back and fixes you with an icy glare as the vicious ratman lowers his weapon. Then, apparently after having lost his stomach of the fight, he turns and dashes off along the shadowy street, swiftly vanishing into the glavering gloom of dusk. A thorough search of the remains of the slain Kagari turns up only their weapons and a small amount of gold, yet all the weapons are common, not worth picking up, and it's 22 gold. Still, it adds up. To making certain you haven't overlooked anything, you quickly check over your equipment before once again preparing to set off on your way. As you leave the scene of the attack, you, become, you can't hope to wonder what it is the Kagari up to in Pagroar, and why they were not in human guise. Keep exploring, 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 exploring the city, finding the things there is to find. Suddenly, right, southern sector of city, another Kogari attack. Six Kogari, closing in on a terrified old woman. Oh, I mean, I'm slightly angrier than I was last time. Attack the six Kogari. Alright, yeah, eye blazing with hatred. She runs away. Sword wielding Kagari. Sashes you with this sword. For XP. Okay. Sashes you with this sword once more. Another sword wielding Kagari. And dagger wielding. Kagari. Well, XP again. Another sword wielding Kagari. Alright, last remaining. The last one runs away once more. Having lost his stomach for his flight. Alright, yep, same as usual. The common weapons, a bit of gold. Why are they not human guys? Keep exploring. Explore the city pack well for quite some time. Nothing of significance. Nothing of significance. Suddenly. Alright, northeast sector. We got the five Ratman surrounding a middle aged woman. Attack the five Kagari. It's this they, they charge at me. Dagger World Kagari first. Stabs at you with his dagger. Savage blow for seven damage. Even more savage blow for me. Savage blow fourteen damage. It is slain. Sword wielding. Keep going. Keep going. Dagger wielding. And sword wielding. There we go. Runs away. The last one runs away. Terrible weapons, 19 gold. Keep exploring. So I know there's at least a couple of things that are yet to turn up. Alright. Keep exploring. Exploring the city. The city I'm into. City of... City of big car, big city of stone columns. Something, something. I keep going, keep going. I'm just doing exploring, and I keep finding the the nothing text. I know there's more around here. Oh, here comes the suddenly. Eastern sector for Kigari. Middle-aged man. Despite their hostile sense, you immediately sense the Kugari are reluctant to engage you. Then, without warning, the cutthroat band of rat men turn and dart off into deepening shadows on the deserted streets. 
The victim, having shaken off the towel they gripped in, thanks you for testing away in the opposite direction. The band, band, the band of fleeing assailants. Or not human guys. Yeah, that ends like, oh, it's suddenly seven Kogari. Terrified young man. Okay, these just one. Why are they not in human guys? Keep going, keep going. Suddenly, four Gagari, terrified wooden beige woman, attack them. They want away this time. Keep exploring. Three Gagari. Alright, uh, terrified old man. They flee. Suddenly, Fokugari, terrified young man, in southern side of the city. Alright, quick combat these. Okay, here we go. Sword wielding. Another sword wielding Kagari. There they are. Last one of fleas. Some some gold. Suddenly, as you're about to leave the scene of the attack, a lone figure, clad in a leather vest, makes a plain with a plain grey toque, grey grey cloaks draped around his slender form, steps into your path. The man, his face blotted with the dark, ragged remnants of a beard, and his white eye covered by a thick, black patch, throws back the edges of his cloak to reveal a short sword and two daggers hanging from his belt. You're making a terrible mistake, friend, he says in a low voice. None of our business is a concern of yours, look. Look, if you're just doing regular business, I wouldn't care. But you're attacking people. And that makes it my business. Because you've made it someone else's business. None of our business any concern of yours. Promise to never show yourselves in these parts again. And I'll see your trespasses are forgotten. The man claps his hand to the hilt of his blade and waits for your response. Okay, uh, sure, I'll agree to his demands. I don't think it will get anywhere. You agree to the demands of the unknown man. He promptly nods in response. You'll find this city a much more pleasant place if you're wise enough to stay out of our way, he says bowing quickly. Hope that I never, uh, never again lay my eyes upon you. With that, the cloaked stranger turns and swiftly moves off along the lane. Disappearing from view after only a few moments when he's gone. What's on skin set off on your way? Explore more. Suddenly, seven Kogari. Attack the seven Kogari, obviously. Alright, they run. Why not human guys? Explore some more. Explore some more. Explore some more. Explore some more. Keep exploring, keep exploring. Alright. This is something more to do. Keep exploring Pakwa. Suddenly. Three Kigari. Terrified young man. Eastern sector of the city. Dagger and Kigari. i take that. Wielding Kagari. Take that. Alright, last one fleas. Some weapons and gold. Why they're not in human guys. Keep exploring. I hope I haven't blocked myself out of anything. Suddenly, four Kagari. Why are they not in human guys? We can't imagine it. Would it? Right, suck if I did, because 
haven't saved for a long time. Suddenly, six Kagari, Southeast Sector, middle aged woman. Just going to quick combat these all. Sword wielding, dagger wielding, dagger wielding, dagger wielding, sword wielding. Uh, last one flees. Some loot. Terrible loot. Hmm. What's going on here? I'm going to have to check something. Okay, I've chased off some of the Kogari. Here comes another suddenly. You're about to leave the scene of the attack. You've again met by a long cloaked, by a lone cloaked figure. The man, his face bloated with dark, ragged remnants of a beard. His white eye covered by a thick black patch shakes his head and scowls. Your trespass deepens, he says in a low voice, and my patience has won out. Hmm. Yeah, okay, maybe it's trespass, but you're doing GB. You're doing assault, GBH. You got a great mugging and probably various other things like existing whilst being a wet <laughs> patience is one out with remarkable speed the one-eyed man draws his sword and leaps forward driving you backwards in the face of a ferocious assault wheeling you attempt to recover from the sudden attack you manage to draw yourself into a defensive stance she continues to fend off his deadly advances. A one-eyed swordsman slashes you with his short sword. Keep bashing, and then he runs away. 64 XP to general. Yay. I get XP, even though he ran away. The one-eyed man leaps back, narrowly dodging one of your well-placed swipes and exhales sharply. He scowls and appears as if he's about to be saying something. Suddenly he turns and darts off along the lane. Before you can even consider taking up pursuit, your sinister flow has disappeared from view. Taking a few moments to check over your equipment to make certain the one-eyed man does not return, you once again set off on your way. Okay, back to regular exploring. Mostly nothing. This isn't that many, many events. It's, it's the nothing or the Kagari. I've put some other things in here. You know, just to mix it up. I'm not quite sure what. What you could repeatedly encounter. I don't know. Yeah. You find someone who's cats on a roof. Or something. I don't know. Sure, something just so it's not just two things. All right, another suddenly seven Kogari. Eastern sector, middle-aged woman attack the seven Kogari. They run away. Why not human guys? All right, nothing. Guy didn't make an appearance this time. Three Kogari. Summon sector, terrified old woman. It's being threatened. They went away. Suddenly, as you're about to leave the scene of the attack, you're again met by the cloaked, the lone cloaked finner figure. The man, his face blotted by the dark remnants of a beard, and his white eye covered by a thick black patch, shakes his head and scowls. Your trespass deepens. He says in a low voice, and my patience has won out. With the remarkable speed, the one-eyed man draws his sword and leaps forward, driving you backwards in the face of his ferocious assault. Wheeling, as you attempt to recover from the sudden attack, you manage to draw yourself into a defensive stance as you continue to fend off his deadly advance. One-eyed swordsman, begin combat. What have I? Run away. 
Yeah, you're not the only one who could run away. You turn and take flight, dashing wildly along the lane in an attempt to escape your vicious flow. You've taken less than a dozen steps, however, when a strange, whistling sound fills the air. Overcome by an inexplicable sense of dread, you glance back over your shoulder to see four small crimson spears hurtling in your direction, apparently having been thrown by a formidable opponent as you fled. With the four crimson, four small spears squeaking towards your back, you have only a split second to act. Admittedly, I only know this is an option because I checked the wiki. Because it just doesn't occur to me to flee very often. And normally it doesn't lead to anything exciting like this. But this time it did. Maybe more things will turn up if I run away more often. Right, so picking a number. Bonus of 52. 20 from agility, 20 from body, 12 from luck. Got to get 100 or more. Or I get bashed with these crimson spears. Perhaps set on fire. Pick now. 78, failure. You drive to your right and attempt to dodge the four. The four hurtling spears, but your action proves too late. A loud hiss fills the mixture as the spears release their potent charge. A powerful liquid mixture known as snake tongue, which rapidly transforms into a gas as it seeps from the spears and meets the air. Alright, what is snake tongue? Snake tongue. Sometimes referred to as Goblin Breath or Goblin Green, the liquid mixture, more commonly known as Snake Tongue, contains powerful sleep-inducing reagents which serve to incapacitate creatures as large as ogres. And I'm nowhere near that large. Certain mixtures of Sleep Tongue, when exposed to air for several seconds, will rapidly convert into a thick cloud of greenish gas. Anyone or anything that happens to inhale a sufficient quantity of the potent vapour will likely last into a deep sleep. The sleep induced by consumption or exposure to snake tongue is deep and can last up to an hour. Large creatures such as trolls, ogres or trolls would normally wake from a snake tongue induced slumber in just a few minutes. Hmm. Maybe I could have the and it have some of this around. Yeah, I mean, I could just delete that. Oh, go to a place, just throw some of these around, and then I could just explore it, sport my own pace. Probably doesn't work on the undead or otorogs, though. And those are one of my major problems, so. Yeah. But still, nice option to have if you could have it. Alright, rapidly transforms the gas, it seems, into the spears and meets the air. Alright, what happens? You cough and gasp, gag, it's an noxious cloud of snake tongues around you. Pick a number. Bonus of 30. 20 from body, 20 from spirit. Got to get 75 or more to succeed. Well, let's just see what happens. Failure. Oh. Unable to stave off the swift and powerful effects induced by a cloud of snake stone that envelops you, you collapse to the ground and lose consciousness, falling to a deep and final slumber. With a single, well-placed slash, the one-eyed man makes certain you will never again wake. Well, <laughs> that... That escalated quickly. I, Sir Crokington, has been killed. And that's a bummer. That is a bummer indeed. But I guess that means this is where the episode ends. Now, yeah, there have been a... There'd, otherwise, there'd have been a couple more encounters with this guy. And then that would have unlocked another adventure. I'm just going to carry on as if that happened so anyway so next time I will catch up with all the stuff I've just done off off microphone 
and then we'll we'll uh, hmm. Well, we've got a few things that have op would have opened up by then. We'll have the sea cliffs. Well, to find the dragon, we could we could go to go to that column and activate the lower dungeons, or we'll be able to track track down track down the Kagari leader and get revenge on him for killing us that one time and that's a pretty good reason to seek revenge is it not yes it is it is a good reason to seek revenge so which one should we do i think sea cliffs first but until then farewell fellow adventurers and don't worry sir croakington will be just fine because uh uh so croakington because it's a wibbly wobbly zaphomorian thing so technically sir croakington can't die here because sir croakington has to be killed in zaphomore later or something like that so anyway sir croakington will come back because I'm not, I've not decided to play by hardcore walls. But still. Anyway, see you next time for the Sea Cliffs. And to repeat, reiterate, until then, farewell, fellow adventurers.